For so many modern driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses. As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey and sharing our proven playbook. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday. Welcome to the Angie Spoke Podcast. Today's episode is all about business partnerships, why we have a unicorn partnership, and whether you should consider having a business partner too. Every time we are interviewed, this is a topic that comes up about partnership. I thought it'd probably be really good just to have this like state all our thoughts about partnerships and how we work together on our mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, I think so. I feel like it is something that we get asked about a lot and it's like something that we always sort of like freeze when people ask us about like long pause. It's uh, indescribable. Yeah. So we yeah. decided we're going to actually try and attempt to describe it. So we were just asked this question, like you said, on an interview, Sandy. And so I loved what you said at the beginning of that interview, where you said you just kind of thrive in partnerships in general. And you know that about yourself and I do too. So why don't we talk a little bit about kind of our history, both of us working in partnerships and how this one is maybe different? Yeah, sure. So every single business that I have had, that's not quite true, but almost true. So when I first started out, my very first business was I was making custom orthotics and I was a clinician, but I worked within a clinic of five women and we weren't literally partners, but we were working together, collaborating, problem solving with different patient stories or whatever. And so that was like a partnership. And then I moved to Calgary and opened up a footwear and orthotic clinic with a partner. And he was amazing and I loved it. And I learned so much from him. And then I did it again with my first software company, a partnership, which I just sold to him and now with you. So I've almost had a partner every step of the way. I know that I collaborate and think and work well with other people. I just know that. Like I'm not the partner that's going to screw you over and take all the money and leave. Like I just, that I also have hope not. (laughs) Well, yeah, that you know of, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. (laughs) Why are you, I didn't know that about you actually. 
Oh yeah. So I actually wrote my graduate student thesis with my friend Davi, who is a partner with me in that mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. We wrote mm-hmm. a thesis called the fall and rise of the American progressive movement, which is now cited in various academic research studies. And we thrived together. We built an entire like body of work around kind of what the environmental movement could learn from the religious right. And it was really, really fun. And we made all kinds of connections and we we were Hmm. building upon that work. We were creating conferences, getting brought into think tanks. I sort of left that work reluctantly to go to law school. Within weeks of starting law school, actually my partner from that work introduced me to my next partner, Jen, and she and I created a project called Three Degrees or three degrees warmer, it ended up being called, and it was focused on climate justice. And that body of work was started back really in 2007. And it was like phenomenal. We created kind of the biggest gathering in the world at that point of scholars and government officials and poets who were focused on issues related to climate change and human rights. And of course, I eventually worked with you and I thrive in situations where I have someone to bounce ideas off of. I think Mm -hmm. that I'm like an ideas person, which, you know, and like 99% of my ideas are total horse shit and I have to think, but then there's the ones that aren't right. And I have to have a way to process, I think like all of that clutter in order to figure out what is really good. (laughs) When we first started working together, I remember you, I was like upset or like, stop with like, we just have to do something. (laughs) And you were like, Sandy, here's what you need to know. I'm going to give out a thousand ideas and 800 of them are going to be shit. And it's your job to sort through them. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, you mean like you actually don't think that every single one of those we should implement? You're like, no. Oh, okay. That changes things. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I need to work, maybe not like always in a business partnership or academic partnership, but maybe if I was a writer, I would need to have a writing group or, mm-hmm. you know, I would need to have some sort of like accountability partner if I was doing something or being a mastermind. Like I need that external feedback in order to process my ideas. Right. Cause otherwise I'm going to say something, but I am the opposite. Like yeah. otherwise you would actually get nothing done. Yeah, I would totally get and love. I say that like you're just like always out there and never here, and you would actually never do anything. And I would be the opposite. So, yeah, I want to share a story that the one you were commenting about, like me saying that I've always thrived in partnerships. This was before all the software stuff. I was really into like energy healing, and I took a shamanic three day intensive course on like shamanism. And it was amazing. And I loved every second of it. And in that we learned our, discovered our, like, what is the word power animals, something like that power animals. I think. We're, and yeah, let's just, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I can't, Yeah. It was so long ago. And mine was a sand hill crane. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the actual F is a freaking sand? Like, can it not be the bear or the moose or the you know, whatever, something Buffalo. And it was the Sandhill crane. And part of what this gentleman said to me was that it's the Sandhill crane mates for life and they never leave their partner. And you're probably really good at partnerships. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh yes, I am. And I bought this whole book on Sandhill cranes and learned all about that. I was like, wow, that's really fascinating. But it was an animal I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. And then my like secondary one was like weasel, but that's another podcast. (laughs) Well, I think that's so interesting because I'm a huge fan of Aldo Leopold's writing and there's a very famous 
piece about Sandhill Cranes that you should read. And also I wrote an academic article at one point around the importance of the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea and the preservation of cranes using this like nature kind of barrier in the middle of like a war zone. So I also have a connection to cranes. That's the difference between (laughs) us. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So one of the things I thought we could do in this episode, because it's been a really long time that we've talked about this is the beginning of our partnership. Do you want to do that with me? Like, should we talk about how we first met? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, I think we've definitely talked about this on previous episodes, but not at any length. So we met in a program that was an online course or school designed to help you start a software company in six months and get paying customers. So we were two of the unlikely women in a program like that because tech has a dearth of women. (laughs) And then at the end of this six months, we were two of the only people who actually created software companies that had paying clients. And we, of course, needed to know who one another was. And then I had just suffered a miscarriage and I was processing that emotionally away from my family at this event in Colorado where we had met. And so I was dealing with that. And I was really sad and crying at one point, kind of off in a hallway down a corridor where I thought I would be unnoticed. And you were sitting there and you talked to me because I was crying. And it was like a lot of heavy bro energy in that space. And it was like such a relief to have another woman to talk to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a place where I really didn't feel like I belonged. I was much older than every single person in that room. And of course, female. And just to see, actually, once I had met you or once I found out what your name was, I remember because you were in one of the videos in the training, they used you like you were the example of whatever they were teaching. And I remember being so insanely jealous of your business and your niche because it was like something I was really interested in, which was like yoga and health and wellness way back then. Like this is 20. 16, I think 2015, 2014, it was the 2014, 2014, 2014. And it was just such a delight to find such a, a kindred spirit that was doing the same kind of work, had experienced the same kind of problems in, you know, your career. And I was like really sort of disillusioned with what I was doing and getting really bored. And you had your own version of that. And we had discovered software independently and come together in this live event under this very emotional, you know, situation. So like, I literally knew in that moment that we would be friends for a very, very, very long time. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I just remember like latching onto you. (laughs) I remember thinking of you as like sister figure in my life and latching on and thinking, and I've said this to you before, and maybe even on the podcast that like, I called my husband and said, I finally found someone as ambitious as me, like another Mm -hmm. woman as ambitious as me. Like you were fiercely ambitious. Like, I mean, obviously you had created a company, but it wasn't like anything other than your energy. Like it was very clear Mm -hmm. to me that you were like there to get something done and not that other women Like there's also lots of other very successful women that came out of that cohort of that program and women that I just adore, but there was something about your energy where I was like, yes, like we're on the same wavelength. Like we go about life totally differently and we think so differently, but we have like something that's the same. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that's why the night that you asked me to be a part of your company, which was then Namastream, you invited me in to be a co-founder. We kind of talked a little bit about it. And you had a requirement for a tech accelerator that you wanted to join, that one of the requirements was that you found some co-founders. They wanted three. You said, hey, I'll come up with one, like the three total. So two with the two of us, is that good enough? And they said, yes. And so it was a very easy decision because of our friendship, but also because I think there was shared vision and shared values and yeah, it wasn't a very hard decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm so eternally grateful for that. And that requirement makes a ton of sense. Like in retrospect, I found it like very bothersome. I was like, I got this far by myself, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I can do whatever. And then like realizing that to scale a company, especially a technology company, it requires so much work and so many different skills that like truly it wasn't possible. So when you came in to, at that point, Namastream, which is what our tech company was called then, you kind of took over a lot of the day-to-day operations. You just like jumped in and you knew a lot because you and I had been like talking for a year and following Mm -hmm. one another's businesses And then I was able to like really pay attention and be present to the experience of being in a tech accelerator and learning how to fundraise and learning how to create a pitch deck and all the things that you do in an accelerator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like, let's talk a little bit about why do we think it worked so well? That's always a question. Like, why does it work? Well, so like your answer that you usually give is like, I think we should just start with that, which is like... Somehow we were like connected in a past life. Like, I think that that is as good of an explanation as any. And I don't know how I feel about that. I have a lot of like very confused, big feelings about things like that. But like, I don't think there's a real logical explanation. No, that's why I say that. Because when we were asked this morning, I just kind of pause and it's an incredibly hard thing to describe and the way that we work together and everything that we've been through, I don't have an explanation. I truly don't have an explanation for it mm-hmm. other than to go all woo and say that there is some kind of connection that's like other, I think I said the words otherworldly, like there's mm-hmm. something beyond just like meeting a random person on this earth in this timeline right now. You know, mm-hmm. like I think it's beyond that. I have a couple of friends who are like that to me. And I just think it's much more, I mean, I don't know, but that's like saying it at that level. I think that indicates to people what it feels like. So I just want to say something about this because I'm usually like, I have pockets of woo, like I'm open-minded to woo in certain circumstances, but I read this beautiful article yesterday and I just, it's totally appropriate. So I'm going to bring it in. So many of you may know of the kind of naturalist and herbalist, Stephen Buner, who passed away recently, like within the last year, year and a half. He's a man who wrote like 20 or 30 books and he like just a true Renaissance human being, I think trained as a like clinical psychiatrist or psychologist, and then ended up turning to herbalism and then just like writing works of philosophy and works about nature and like all kinds of things. But he's written like these books that are kind of go-to like Bibles really for Mm -hmm. herbalists. And I read this interview with him that he gave shortly before he passed away, like after COVID had already started to happen. And he talked about how 
humans on the planet right now have like lost their feeling sense, how like all these different creatures and like all these different relationships between plants and animals, there are these different senses and we just don't fully grasp what all of them are. And one of the things he points out is that children, human children are born with like this feeling sense. It's, it's like, I think it's the same thing that we think about when we think about intuition, but it's not necessarily not science. Like, I think we like to push woo over into this other category of like spiritual and that's it. And it's in a box somehow hermetically sealed and not scientific, but he basically is saying like, why would we not have a feeling sense? And like, it's such an important way to understand the world and all of like sort of the great scientific thinkers have had this, like Einstein had this. And you think about what it takes to imagine something totally outside the realm of current human knowledge and understanding. And it's this feeling sense. So anyway, when I was reading that, Mm -hmm. this is like the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but there's something that is like my human being (laughs) is connected to you in this other sense Mm -hmm. that I don't have the words to describe. Right. Yeah. That's why I say those things. Cause I don't have the words, but that may be, mm-hmm. there's a deeper connection that I can't describe either. And you brought up the word trust and see, it's so hard to talk about. It's very, you would think that it would have to be very cultivated, but mm-hmm. it was there from the start. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that you had to work to earn my trust or vice versa, right. or it was just there. Like there's a level of trust. That's almost like unnatural. Yeah, because I joke about stealing all the money and running away and you just like, give me the shrug emoji. Like, okay. You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and overwhelming. We know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a program that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience of raving fans that can turn into paying clients. And side bonus, you can ignore trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. First of all, it's easier to trust you because you're Canadian. (laughs) So (laughs) there's that. Like I just trust like just generally any Canadian, I'm just more likely to trust. But also I think that (laughs) like, why wouldn't I trust you? Do you know what I mean? Like, why would you have gone into this? Like, why would you have come into this and then done something untrustworthy? Like, like building a company like for this many years, and now we have two companies together, like building something like this is like creating a family. Like it's like, we're so freaking tied together for so many reasons. We spend so much time together. Like our brains are so intertwined. Our lives are so intertwined. Our finances are so intertwined. Like, why would I not trust you? Because I, I might steal the money and run away. I might for power, for money. No, but I don't think that motivates you. <laughs> I don't think that that would ever ha- Like it doesn't even cross my mind. So this is not to say that we don't disagree. Like right. we disagree fairly often. And I think it's just the trust is like giving the other person the benefit of the doubt and also being like, I think we both have this base level of like understanding that we're not always going to get what we want because there's two of us and we don't always agree. So like we pick our battles too, which is just like, okay, Sandy feels strongly about this. Fine. 
Like mm-hmm. I don't have to feel as strongly. Like, and there's times where I feel strongly and I can tell that you're sort of acquiescing. And it's just like, that's just part of also being a human being in a relationship with another human being. I also don't feel very strongly about a lot of things. And so when I do feel something super strong, mm-hmm. like, no, you're like, yeah. okay. Like usually back right up, right? Otherwise I'm like, ah, like I don't come. You're the, yeah. usually the one that are like, yeah. let's think about this lifetime offer. Like this is, I'm like, ah, I don't. But that's because you're in the future and I'm in the immediate. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. And I think back to my past partnerships and I absolutely had a good positive. I trusted each of them fully, but Mm -hmm. I didn't feel this like all like on paper, I could check all the boxes and say, yes, but this is different. And that's that. Mm -hmm. I don't have the words to explain it different, but all of my other partnerships, my two other, I totally didn't fight, trust everything. You know, you could get annoyed by people or whatever, but it worked. I have like very strong, positive feelings about both of my other like kind of major career partnerships too. And I would work with either of those women again Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. and would trust them like with my child and with my life. So I love and trust in both of those people, but I didn't have like the stars weren't aligned for us to do that work together forever. And so like there's natural cycles, like things change. Like in one case I had a baby and my life changed and we moved across the country and like just circumstances in her life changed. And we still like, I think care deeply about each other and the work we created, but it's like, we're in two different paths. Right. And so for you and I also think it was like really beautiful in this path of like both being mothers, like Like when you're young and before you have children and maybe even before you're married in some case, like, like life is so fluid and to be able to find someone that you can work with like this at this stage of life where Mm -hmm. like traditionally you're, I think most of my friends and most of the people I know in this stage of life, like they're a hundred percent prioritizing being parents and maybe to some degree, this very specific career trajectory And I think with entrepreneurship, it's different. Like you stay in that like younger part of life a little longer. Like life is much more fluid and chaotic, I think, for entrepreneurs. And I I think it's hard to find other people who Mm -hmm. have the responsibilities that we have as mothers that are also like in that space. I don't know. Like like I don't relate to regular people because like their lives are so different than mine, but like entrepreneurs, like we're already in this tiny little group <laughs> Yeah, that we segmented out. And then we, you know, we're not like, we're in a similar stage of life. So I think that that's also like very helpful. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think another question that we always get is how do I find a partner? Like I've had people say to me, yeah. how do I find my Jenny? Where do I find a Jenny? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's an interesting question. And I think it's a natural question. And I think I just, before we go there, I, I want to say too, I think it's very natural that women collaborate, you know, just like thousands of years. I think that's what we've had to do. And mm-hmm. I think we're more easily put away, put aside egos and we like work for the community. We work for the children. We work for the family, you know, collectively. Mm-hmm. I theorize that women come to partnerships more easily or naturally. And so I think a lot of our clients are women, obviously. And I do think we get the question a lot, like, how do I find my Jenny? And 
I think that that is not all. I think when people ask that they're searching for something to like to solve, like if I just had a business mm-hmm. partner, mm-hmm. then they could take that on and I wouldn't have to mm-hmm. worry about that. I wouldn't have to solve for that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to think about it and my life would be easier. Yeah. That's not going to work. <laughs> like you're not going to find the person then. I think like in all of my situations, it just naturally evolved. Yeah. And I definitely think like we hadn't just met and then like we bonded at that event in Colorado in the summer of 2014, then spent a year connecting weekly um, with each other as we were both individually building our companies. Like, I just, I think like there was just a level of like interest that we both organically developed in working together. And if you hadn't come to work for Namastream, we were building something else together anyway. Like we had already decided. Right. I guess we did. Yeah, that's true. So that ended up being like the root really of our coaching work got jumbled a bit for a while, but we were going to do it anyway. So I think that like coming to work for the software company for you was just like, like a sidebar. Yeah. I think that's right. I think it would be really, really hard to go search for a partner and find someone who is suited and, you know, aligned and all those things. I know that people ask about partnerships to, as I said, like to solve a problem or take, you know, some responsibility of the company. But they also ask for like money, like I need an investor to be my partner. Like they take that angle too. And again, you know, lots of strong feelings about that, but I also don't think that necessarily solves their problem. Yeah. I think if you're looking for support and collaboration, I would not go look for a business partner first. I would try to join like a group of people. Like I would join some sort of mastermind or some sort of like coaching program or networking program or group or something and just start to have natural connections and get the support you need from those community settings. Cause I get like being in community is key. This is a long game. There is a lot of emotional stuff that goes along with entrepreneurship. As you know, very well, Sandy, as a coach, like it is like a mental game. So like, do not stay in isolation, but business partnership is like something a little bit different. And I think that that does have to come like as a natural Mm-hmm. like kind of evolution, just like finding a partner, like I'm a part of somebody to marry, right? Like when you go out and you're like, okay, I've got my checklist of my 43 things I need in a person and they have to be this tall and they have to have this much money and they have to have gone to these schools and like, it doesn't work. Right. We all know mm-hmm. that that's like yeah. a terrible thing to do, but when you're like living your best life and being yourself, like somehow mm-hmm. you meet somebody, right? Like yeah. ideally. So that's the same in business. Yeah. I know in our luminaries, our, our, our mastermind that I have heard people say it's like having whatever number of, of business partners. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what people are seeking is advice of someone to Mm -hmm. listen to them, to Mm -hmm. help think through problem solves, make decisions, get new ideas. Yeah. I think that's what they're looking for. And you can certainly find that in a mastermind, but yeah, you can't just mail order a business partner. It just yeah. does. I just don't think it works. And there's so many yeah. people who even met as you've just described and still fail. I know in my past life as a certified podorthist doing gate analysis and custom orthotics, that whole thing, there's so many partnerships that they would just decide like, you know, friends for years or ran something together and came together with a great deal of history, start a company together. And then the shotgun clause is pulled and it all just crumbles. And all of us would be like, 
but they were so great together. Like it's still super, super risky. Yeah. You Do we know, have a shotgun I, clause? Can I pull that? I think we've ironed this out in the last year. I think that like the piece that people miss is that like you have to be going towards the same thing in life. And I think that that's really hard to do in business. Like people's personal lives change so dramatically. Mm-hmm. Like you both have the same level of commitment to the end goal and you have to like agree on the big picture and the end goal to such a degree that like you getting a dream job doesn't change it, right? Like I took right. a job, I took on a job during the middle of all of this, like during the time that we're running a tech company together and the coaching side of that tech company, I, for various reasons, I went back to practice law. I never wavered from my commitment to what we were working on together, right? And right. I hope that right. was clear to you. Like it yeah. never, because it was never a question to me that doing something else or having a like a big change in my life. Like, and I've also moved all over the United States since we've been working together. I've like lived in so many places and had so many circumstances in my personal life. And it doesn't change my commitment to Mm -hmm. what we're doing. And I think that like, that's not normal. Like people change their minds all the time. (laughs) Yeah, And we both have this like shared commitment. I think that is a really good point that I hadn't considered that the level of commitment to see this through is 1000% from both of us. I mean, obviously I knew you took that job, but I never like, oh, is she going to stay there? And Mm -hmm. is she going to not for even half a second did I ever. So I think that that if you are have an existing business and you're seeking or wanting a different partner, it's really hard for someone to come in to something existing and share that vision and want it as bad as you and be as committed as you. That's maybe the problem why it mm-hmm. doesn't work. I mean, you came in really early, like, and, but like we, you started collaborating and yeah. knowing what was going on mm-hmm. like from mm-hmm. the very beginning. And I think that helped. And I also wasn't trying to hoard it. Like, I think a lot of people like also probably want to hoard their company. <laughs> like this is mine yeah. and it's my brand and it's my name. And definitely like we have had our various roles. I don't have any desire to do that either. So I think that's also important to know about yourself. I also think that we are, like I kind of giggle inside when we're talking and we are generous with each other. Like, no, you take that money. No, you take that money. No, you've been working harder. No, you've been working harder. Like you should do, you know, it's like not this greedy resentment, like, oh, I'm going to take that from, you know, it's none of that. Like, it's mm-hmm. almost like I'll work this Friday. You go take that Friday off. You need a break. Like we do that. Like we almost to our detriment that we like, we'll do so much to protect and save and hold the other mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. I don't think. It should be normal. I don't know why it wouldn't be. I wouldn't want to work. If, you know, this is why it's so hard for me to have team members. Like, and we have great team members right now in both of our companies. But it's very hard for me when things are not like collaborative and Mm -hmm. like balanced and the relationship dynamic when you have people that work for you, it's very different than having a partner. Yeah, Like I've never for one minute thought of you for one second as not being equal to me. Right. And so I think that's just normal though, for me to think of you as a collaborator and equal. And when I have to think of anyone in any other way, it's very troubling for me. Mm-hmm. And I know yeah. I have to, and I've had to learn how to do that. That was a yeah. very hard thing. Thank you, Chris Clacky. <laughs> Thank you. She's Chris the one who Plackey. helped us. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I think those are all, is there anything else you want to say about that? I think I got all the points I noted down. Yeah. I just think like collaboration is the answer. Business partnership isn't always the answer. So that's like the big takeaway is like, if you feel like you need to work with somebody, work with someone, either hire a coach or find an accountability partner, be part of a community. And I do think that that is, I would a hundred percent not be doing this if I were on my own. Yeah. Like wouldn't happen. I would have given up a long time ago. So like, listen to that. That's your feeling sense. (laughs) Listen to it, but it doesn't necessarily mean you need a business partner unless something presents itself as like kind of too good to be true and too good to pass up. Cause then maybe it's the right thing. Joy and hustle. You have the joy. Yes. Okay. So I read this book a while ago and I've just completely forgot to mention it to you because I think you would love it. It's called Super Fan by Jen Sukfeng Lee and it's How Pop Culture Broke My Heart. I think she's probably your age and she is grew up in Vancouver. Her parents were immigrants from China. And so she talks about what it's like to grow up in East Van, which is a rough neighborhood and wanting to fit in with the current culture and like all these like pop culture idols that she, like every chapter is like how Beyonce changed her life. And it's Mm -hmm. like, she takes these elements of pop culture and writes a story about it and how it affected her when she grew up. It is such a beautiful story. And she's so raw and so honest about what it was like to be a teenager in the eighties and nineties and like that era. And it's just so good. And it's like, for Americans, like it's clearly a Canadian book and about a Canadian city. And I just like, we read these books and movies about American cities and, and growing up and coming of age stories all the time. And I think it just would be a really good taste of what it was like from a Canadian to grow up in Canada. And it's just a little bit of the reverse. I loved it. I think she's a brilliant, mm-hmm. phenomenal writer and she's so self-deprecating and it's just, it's hilarious. She's very, very funny. You, Jenny, would love this book. I will add that to my Kindle. I feel like there's so many books out right now. Like I'm so excited. One of my best friends just recommended Demon Copperhead. And so I've just, that's like a 600 page book that I've got in my queue. And I have like three or four other books. And I just feel like there's so much good writing coming out right now. So thank you for that recommendation. I need to like carve out some time on my time blocking calendar for reading novels or memoirs. Cause that is yeah. where that's a good springtime energy. Thank you for yeah. that. Okay. Okay. And then the hustle we have for this week is Ramit Sethi's new show on Netflix, <laughs> how to get rich. So <laughs> that's kind of an obnoxious title, but I also just like how mm-hmm. honest it is clear. And it's clear. He's very clear. Like he has the gift of clarity and he's like, we were both talking about how great of a coach Ramit is. It's just yeah. so great to watch such a fantastic coach. He's so naturally gifted. He's so smart. I remember reading his book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, when I was participating in a triathlon in the mountains of like North Carolina when my daughter was a baby, just like thinking about how he could take these complex ideas around building wealth and make them very simple and straightforward. I haven't quite finished the series yet. It's out on Netflix, just came out this week. When you told me that Ramit got a Netflix show, I was like, damn, because we've always kind of secretly fantasized about having our own Netflix show. Exactly or not that so be. secretly. 
I don't even know what it would be about, but it's like always this thing. Like we want to get yeah. a Netflix deal. I'm going to get a book yeah. deal. I'm going to get Netflix. And then we meet, we've been following him forever. And I feel like I know him because I've watched him yeah. grow as an internet personality, as a podcaster and so on for years. And now every podcast he has, is like, I got a Netflix show. It's coming out. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. And so I feel like I'm watching someone I know on Netflix and I don't know him and it's not fair, but so I'm, there's a lot of jealousy there. There's a lot of like, oh, how did he get that? But he is so damn good in that. Mm-hmm. And he is so patient and kind. And he asks really good questions. And he's always like, well, why is that? He's such a good coach. And I think the characters that they pulled on are brilliant. And mm-hmm. like, there's such a good mix of total credit card debt to ML. Have you seen the MLM one yet? No, I saw like the start of the trust fund one. Is that the same one? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. No, that, yeah. That um, lady. <laughs> they've just pulled together some really great mm-hmm. like debt examples or poor decision examples. And anyway, I just, it was so well done. There's just way too many mm-hmm. shots of his arms. That's my only complaint. There's always like his arms are being shown. But other than that, I thought it was, and I watched it with my husband and he was even like really impressed with Ramit and some of the knowledge. It was great. Mm. And I pointed this out to you earlier, but I also think he's like the best dressed man. Like he is just so good at fashion. And I just, I love his style and the way he presents himself. I think that is the thing, like that's the intangible about Ramit Sadie. So he's obviously wealthy and very, very good at money management. He looks the part, he's like very clean cut, has very beautiful clothes, but it's not like opulent and ridiculous mm-hmm. and dripping Christian Dior mm-hmm. or something like it's not like that like he doesn't have you would never know that he's like as wealthy as he is or I, I don't know how wealthy he is but I assume he is but like it's not like disgusting in your face wealth it's just mm-hmm. tailored everything fits properly mm-hmm. he's just like really really put together and I think that's the street appeal to Ramit Sethi is like he's just like an everyday guy but mm-hmm. not yeah, he's very much not. He's like such a talented, like Stanford educated, yeah, yeah, famous internet personality, but he does come across as like a normal, approachable person, yeah. which I think yeah. is part of his appeal. Yeah. yeah. And I just say also his podcast beyond this show is phenomenal. And he puts out calls on Twitter for people who have certain problems. And then he brings couples on to same thing, brings mm-hmm. couples onto his show and works through money, kind of a lot of money mindset issues. And I'm like addicted to that podcast. Like I can't stop listening to it. So that is good. a different skill altogether is yeah. to take, I think, each of these stories in the Netflix show is with a couple, like that's another mm-hmm. level of mm-hmm. coaching and, mm-hmm. you know, managing the situation. And when you have two people who are life partners mm-hmm. and are trying to navigate this and one's like mm-hmm. bickering and uh, mm-hmm. interrupting, like it's a different level. He really is talented at coaching. I have mm-hmm. to say. So. Okay. Well, Ramit, if you're listening and you want to come on our show, because we've just <laughs> spent a 10 minute love fest talking about you, you're welcome anytime. Come on, Ramit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, he's amazing. He really is. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's that. Go watch Netflix, read some great books and find yourself some support and accountability in your business. And then you're all set. All right. Thanks, Jenny. Bye everyone. Right. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. 
Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.